Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Moby. So this podcast is quite different than any of the others we've done. And it actually comes with a, a sort of trigger warning, which is uh, we interviewed our friend Rachel, who is an exorcist. Her name is Rachel Stavis. R.H. Stavis is her professional name that she goes by, and she is a professional exorcist. She is an author. She's written about her experience as an exorcist. Um, and that's what she does every day is remove entities from people in need. So we had an amazing conversation with her. It's not every day you get to sit down with your friend, Rachel, the exorcist, and have a conversation about her history. <laughs> what does it mean to be an exorcist? Is it literal? Is it figurative? But here's the trigger warning. Something happened during the interview and we've left it in, but I still can't figure I mean, I'm an engineer and a technician. Something happened that we can't figure out. And so the trigger warning is if you're easily freaked out or if the supernatural sort of freaks you out, you might want to not listen to this episode because we can't figure out what happened. It was a nice conversation. We had lunch, we had a nice conversation, but then something happened in the middle of the episode that I'm still trying to make sense of. Yeah, I would say that if you fall on the side of this kind of thing, making you feel a little bit scared or uneasy, maybe go back and listen to the fact battle episode again. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, it was one of the more disconcerting things that, I, that has happened to me in my spiritual life and my spiritual world was <laughs> if you listen to the episode you'll under it'll make sense but if you are triggered by anything spirit like occult or challenging just don't don't listen to this episode because it's a I'm sorry to repeat myself but I'm still like I'm kind of freaked out like trying to make sense of what actually happened so without further ado let's let's play our conversation with Rachel and you'll about a third of the way figure out and realize what we're talking about Hi Moby Hey Lynn's and hi, Rachel Stavis. Hi, Lindsay. Exorcist extraordinaire. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here right now. Thank you for having me. It makes me really happy. Rachel and I have been friends for a really long time, so it's very fun to have an old friend here with us. <laughs> how long have you guys known each other? Oh my gosh, how long have we like known each other? Like nine or something years, yeah. eight or nine years we've been friends. Yeah. And you met her like seven years ago. Yeah. So Rachel, we have been, Moby and I have been talking a lot about the supernatural and our experiences with it. And you are my only friend who sees demons. And I thought it was worth having you on to talk about what that is like. <laughs> <laughs> not, not complicated at not all. Not complicated totally at <laughs> all. So I thought maybe we talk about where you're from. Yeah, I really want to know like your origin story. Yeah, also, sure. like, like I also have never met an exorcist before. Right. And someone who 
identifies as an exorcist. And so I'm really fascinated about when you first became aware that your perception was perhaps different than the rest of ours. Sure, yeah. So um, I have had the ability to see entity with my eyes basically my whole life, as far as I remember. So it sort of started when I was a child. I would complain there were monsters in the closet, monsters under the bed, you know, typical child complaints at night. And they're like, oh, Rachel's imagination. Right. She sees she sees monsters in the closet and, like all the kids. And exactly. Where did, where did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in Los Angeles, actually, but I grew up in South Florida. So I would complain about these things. Parents would come in, of course, and be like, there's nothing here. Go to bed. But of course, for me, the monsters did not go away. And at first, I didn't know that other people couldn't see it. Not really, you know. So I would talk about it a lot when I was a kid and then found out that that's crazy. <laughs> you don't do that because other people don't see that. And then, you know, I was kind of shunned in a way. My mother was a lot. And so I was shunned to keep it quiet. I wasn't supposed to talk about this. This made mm -hmm. me weird. And so I learned that I don't discuss this with people. And I went a lot of years, I mean, well into my adulthood, not discussing this with people. I kept it completely to myself because I was terrified that I did not need one more thing about myself to be weird mm -hmm. <laughs> for people. So I didn't. I kept it to myself. I became a writer that's, you know, moved out here, did all the normal stuff, if you can call writing normal stuff. Um, and then it just never went away for me. I got really good at sort of suppressing it. So, and I can still do that to a certain degree because in, in some places you don't want that in your face all the time, like concerts, right? Or out in restaurants or any place where there's a lot of people it can be really overwhelming energetically anyway, even if you're just a sensitive person can be a lot. So I've kind of crafted an art of... <laughs> suppressing it as much as possible, but it never really totally goes. So I went my whole life trying not to do it, hating it, thinking it was a curse. And then when I turned 30, somewhere around 30, I had a fender bender and it was a car accident, but it wasn't a bad one or anything, but it was like one small stressor too many for the week mm -hmm. and it blew my sight open. So I couldn't do the fun thing of suppressing it anymore. And, you know, everywhere I went, like the homeless man who's screaming at something on the street, I was seeing what he was screaming at. I was seeing entity everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I thought, okay, so I have two options here. I'm either going to check myself in <laughs> or try to figure out why I have this. What What is this thing? And so I kind of decided that instead of closing it up, I was going to try and open up further, talk to spirit, ask whoever gave me this, what the hell it was, you know, and then hopefully learn what to do with it. And so that's what I did. And it took a long time. It wasn't overnight. Like I like to joke that it was like, you know, then I started doing it. But no, it took a minute. Uh, and then I started working on people who were close to me, just friends who would allow me to work on them. If I'd seen something or wanted to help them and they were cool with it. And then after that, they would start telling people and then those people would come in and then it became sort of a word of mouth situation where I saw everybody. And uh, then eventually someone approached me to do the book and here we are. <laughs> That's so fascinating. So I want to know more about the book, but I also am so interested in how you go from seeing entity to communicate like do you communicate with ent entity directly because when you're when you're working on people, you are essentially casting out whatever demon is attached to them. 
Right. Right. Yes. So how did you go from just seeing them to realizing that you could you could ask them to do things? Like, like, leave. <laughs> uh, well, I don't ask. <laughs> right. So that's, it's complicated. I, I guess the easiest way to try and explain it without sounding super nuts is, <laughs> you know, because I know it all sounds so crazy. Uh, and I'm so down to earth. So it's really weird for people when they hear this, like, really crazy stuff we talk about. But then it's, like, totally normal. <laughs> so for me, it was a process of learning directly from spirit. So opening my sight up to talk to spirit directly, which is not entity. So spirit meaning you know all everything good all of the source everything we come from that kind of stuff Mm because I figured well that must be where this is coming from why did I incarnate with this you know right so um, I started having communication with them opening up to my spirit guides and opening up to uh, trusting I guess even if you will like when you get something when something comes in because people have such a hard time trusting when when you get information or you see something on the street or a song lyric resonates with you or whatever So I just started trusting the information that I was getting. And, you know, the first time I worked on people was so funny because I thought I had it all down. Like I was like, okay, I'm I'm listening to what Spirit's saying. This is how we do it. It's, you know, we're we're putting, you know, essentially um, high being energy into the body, which is expelling this uh, low being, low frequency energy out of the body. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that. I've got that. But then like the other things, the practical things were the things that were so messy. Like if you put candles on the floor to create your space, you could kick them over and start a fire, which I totally did. You know, like just the the exorcism <laughs> mm-hmm. 101 stuff you don't talk about in movies with priests, you know? So, uh, and it was a process. Like I said, I, I didn't trust myself to work on people for a while. So mm-hmm. I learned and I learned and I learned from listening, communicating with spirit and watching what I saw with my eyes and who who had what, because there are different types of entities, which we can get into as well. But overall, I waited. I wanted to be sure. And then I started working on people. And then when that happened and I started to get it down, I never made uh oh, we have to stop for a sec. What happened? Something very interesting. <laughs> so, we've, for those who are listening, you're probably not aware of this. For the last 15 minutes, we've been talking, and just as you started describing what demons look like and what their names are, your microphone stopped working. Right. And which doesn't really happen as an audio engineer. Like that's just not like m- microphones don't work and then stop work. I mean, they do, but like it, that that's very rare. But it was right when you were describing what the demons were, what they looked like. And if anyone's in, if anyone doubts or thinks that we're just making this up, we can play the audio. Let's play it. And we can also send anyone a screenshot of what the waveforms look like. And you can see very clearly it just crapped out while you were describe, about to describe demons. I mean, it's not that surprising for me. Just it's a little surprising the light- for, for oh, civilians like me and Lindsay. No, listen, I, I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> I've, um, I've seen crazy things happen around Rachel. And I know that crazier <laughs> things have happened. And I hope we get to you get to tell the story of and maybe now's a good time to tell it. 
Which which story? The story about New Orleans and the lights going out. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. And then we'll go back into all the attachment okay. stuff. But uh, I think, yes. I think a, as it it's refers a, it's a to moment. this, it's very, it's, so just, this is why it doesn't surprise me. And unfortunately, because we had this wonderful conversation and I feel like I'm just the world's worst audio engineer because I, no. I, I was seeing something was being recorded and I was like, well, signal's not great, but turns out it, nothing, like it was just noise being recorded so who knows what recorded honestly <laughs> maybe yeah. something weird if we go back and there. listen to it it's probably like <laughs> yeah out um, to the dark lord <laughs> okay so where should we pick up and well, i apologize to the listener for whatever has caused this interruption because it's I, I i don't i we we are 20 20 minutes of conversation out the window thanks Demons. <laughs> Thanks, demons. Well, I want to talk about all the stuff that we had been talking about that's very germane to Rachel's experience and expertise. But in light of what happened with the power going out on this mic or this mic breaking or whatever happened, the cable going out, will you just tell the story real quick to Moby about what happened in New Orleans with Kate? Yes. Okay. So we were at our place in New Orleans. And um, I want to say it was Kate's like- your wife fiance technically okay. but because <laughs> we have yet to do anything about that but yes <laughs> okay. sorry sorry I didn't mean to uncover another <laughs> oh no no that's fine vegan can of worms yeah. <laughs> no so we were at our place in new orleans it must have been around i don't know one in the morning and we were just going to sleep and there is a uh night light in that room that is a projector nightlight that shows fish in an aquarium mm-hmm so, and that Sound, is important. Delightful and calming. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to note. So I get visitations. So visitations for me are entities that come because they are curious, interested in why I can see them or what's going on. Uh, they usually come at night. Uh, sometimes they come all night, which are nights that I call a bad moon, <laughs> where you just get one after the other after the other. But that was not this case. I had a visitation of an entity that I was unfamiliar with that is specific to New Orleans. Um, and if anyone wants to name it, you please let us know. So it was kind of a banshee-like creature who came up, opened its mouth, and there were like rows and rows of teeth and like almost went to bite me. So bizarre, like a very strange thing. And then out of the corner of the room, there was another being that came forward because this was actually very, it was very strong, extremely malevolent feeling. And this other being came forward. This would look like a man from like, who knows when, a long time ago, came out of the corner and put its arms around this entity and took it back into the shadow. Hmm. And I bolted up <laughs> in the bed. And at the same time, Kate was like, oh my God, what just happened? Because Kate had had a dream of the same thing. And I looked up and I did not see the fish on the ceiling. And I was like, wait, something's wrong. And we look outside and it's the, the uh, place is on Esplanade. And we look outside and all of Esplanade in our area is black. So we found out the next day that it was only our square block that lost power for no, no reason. Hmm. For at hours, same, at, like at around at that exact 1, time, one thirty yes. a.m. when they went to bed, and, and this, happened. this happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this to say, when things break or go on the fritz around there's, Rachel, there's, there's definitely precedent for this. Yes, yes exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's only one example um, of many. So okay, so I have 
a question. Sure. I have lots of questions. But one of my questions is what do you have any idea what these entities, these demons are? Like are they ghosts? Are they frustrated energies? Are they extraterrestrial? Are they primordial? Like do you have any sense of because what you just described sounds sort of anthropomorphic. Like like as you said, like someone someone came out of the shadows who looked human from a long time ago. Like do you have any idea what these demons are? And well, also so, the difference between deceased people and entity. Right. Okay. So we're gonna take it back a ways because I don't know what cut off and what didn't. So first of all, the, the to clarify, um, the being in that room that I was talking about that took that creature away is what I consider a high being. So I'll get into that because we'll talk about the diamond chart in a second. But um, entities or what people call demons are not deceased people. Deceased people are their own thing. So these are energies, demons, whatever you want to call them that come from something different that are their own thing. So the diamond chart is this two-dimensional diamond you know, if you can visualize that in your mind, you know, high beings are everything above us, spirit guides, angels, you know, everything up until, you know, whatever your, your view of God is or source or whatever. And everything under us in the diamond chart is, you know, low beings, everything from a Clive, which is the lowest, you know, the easiest kind of leech of the entity community, if you will, all the way <laughs> to the realm walker, which is the worst of the worst, which is what I believe people think is the devil. Um, so those are, you know, where we are in, in the scheme of things. Um, and we kind of, uh, I'm not sure if we got this, but we walk around with what I call a baseline frequency, which is how we interact with ourselves, how we interact with the world, how conscious we are. You know, if we're just like unconscious, there are a lot of people walking around that are just purely unconscious. Um, and so, you know, on a scale of one to 10, if one is dead and 10 is Buddha, you know, most people are at like a four. And when we work on ourselves, we can get higher on that scale, of course, but it's like, not that fast. It takes time to work on yourself. It's it's a process. But when we have trauma, when we have a trauma, that baseline frequency takes a hit. And now we are in low frequency mode. And we talked about that being sort of like the equivalent of like if you have a piece of metal, the metal gets a scratch. Yes. The rust attaches itself or like opportunistically <laughs> the rust comes in and opportunistically attacks the damaged part. Exactly. It's, it's such a double-edged sword, right? Like you have trauma, you don't need more stuff, but that's kind of how this works. So, and, and it's, it's so rough because, you know, it's not easy for people to just get move forward from trauma like it takes a lot of work it's hard you can't just pick yourself up and it's ridiculous to think that that's something you should be able to do but unfortunately that is how this works so when you are in a state of trauma low frequency all of that that's how these things attach and and each one is looking for a specific energetic signature that matches so that it can feed it's not it's not like when you see in the movies where it jumps out of the person and then goes from person to person to person in the room like that would not happen and so when you're working on people are you ever because it's, it's sort of like the way you're describing it sounds very sort of like normal and methodical, almost like you're like, like you're scraping barnacles off a ship or something like, yeah, the barnacles attach themselves. I scrape them off. But like. <laughs> that is how are, I've been told yeah. I talk. Yeah. But are you like you you talked about this encountering this really terrifying demon in New yes. Orleans. How often does that happen? 
So people always ask me, like, aren't you scared? Do you get scared while you're doing this? And I would say for me, the the more scary aspects of this are like working in spaces um, because this, the, the ones, the entities that hold space are more on the very malevolent side. Not to say that people can't get that, but most people don't get that, you know, um, that's a special case. So I guess the answer is uh, it's, it is scary. It's also really dangerous, especially in spaces. It's incredibly dangerous. Um, the entities that when you hold, say spaces, you mean talking about physical yes. spaces that hotels, might... mm-hmm. uh, old sets sometimes, all kinds of anything that has high traffic that had mass trauma. Um, so entities that hold spaces like that can honestly pull, you know, sinks <laughs> off walls. It can make people violently uh, violent uh, or sick or whatever. Um, so those are it's it's a whole process to go and do those spaces and. It's not that I don't get scared, but I always like say like you don't want me going in scared. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want a frightened exorcist. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> like that's the last thing you want. So I just go in and I I make it my job. This is my job. This is what I do. I don't have time for that. I have to keep my own frequency high. I have mm-hmm. to be able to do the work that I'm about to do. And I will have to, especially in spaces, they could take so many hours because you have to go from, like, there's no stone unturned in a space. You have to go through the whole thing twice. So regarding spaces, so Lindsay, before we, before we met up, Lindsay and I were talking and I, we were talking about whether I wanted to discuss my experiences Okay. And on one hand, I was like, nope, I don't. Like, I really like not pretending that nothing has happened, but I do like not not thinking about it. Right. But what you're describing is is resonating with me. So can I tell you my story? Of course, yeah. And just simply, I just love your perspective. Sure, yes, absolutely. Okay, so when I was around eight, nine years old, I was living in Stratford, Connecticut, and one of my favorite places to play was the foundation of an old building that had burned down. And I, my friends and I played there all the time. And around this time, when one day I was back at my house, which is a few blocks away, and I started hearing my name being whispered. And weirdly, I wasn't that scared. Like, I just didn't really pay that much attention to it, which, which is weird because I was scared of everything. But for some reason, this name being whispered didn't scare me. And I was like, in hindsight, I was like, why, if, if I'm scared of the TV, if I'm scared of everything, why wasn't I scared of actual physical manifestation of something? And I never told anyone about this. Okay. And then about three years later, I bought a book about poltergeists. The lead story in the book happened in the house where the foundation was that I'd been playing. Okay. It was the most famous story, most famous haunting poltergeist story in Connecticut ever. It turns out it was that house where I used to play in the foundation. And here's where it gets even stranger. Um, I, I, to- I t- showed my mom this story and she turned ghost white. And she was like, I never told you about her. She used to hear my name being whispered in the house all the time. And she never told me because she didn't want to scare me. Right. One time we were away and she let some friends stay in the house. Like when you said a physical space that will tear a sink off the wall, we let some friends stay in the house. They were having Thanksgiving. The plates flew off the table and they refused to ever come back in the house again. Right. Then my mom, one, she was dating a guy in a motorcycle gang and was trying to break up with him. And he tried to stab her to death. And I had no rec- recollection of this. 
that according to my mom, and she never told me, I materialized in the kitchen and stopped him from stabbing her to death. And you have no recollection? None whatsoever. I have a, I have a, sh- like, it's almost like I can see it out of the corner of my eye as like, just like a glimmer. And who knows what the truth of that might have been. Maybe I woke up, went downstairs. I don't know. But it was all of that. I've never really told anyone these stories. But hearing you talk about the physical space. And so I just wonder. Also, so if you if someone objectively came to me and said, guess what? All that, it's just childhood imagination. I'd be like, great. <laughs> like, I'm not looking for validation. I'm just curious to know as an expert what your perspective on that is. Well, it very much feels like that was something that was protecting you. So negative entity, most likely not, but could have been someone deceased and or uh, you being highly connected at that time to high beings of some sort, whether it was, you know, um, a spirit guy that was manifesting in some way or, uh, uh, you know, something like this. But if hmm. it doesn't, that doesn't feel malevolent no, at all. It, that's the thing. Yeah, no From way. From my perspective, and like I said, my whole life I've been scared of things. That's not something I was ever scared of. Yeah, definitely like, something that came in for protection, 100%. But it does feel real. Like when I, when I reach into that um it doesn't feel like that was anybody's imagination it no, feels it, absolutely real it, it i don't yeah i, I <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't feel like imagination to me cuz cuz it's just the fact that it was the lead story in this book took place i was like what in the world like you buy a book on poltergeists and the most famous story in the book happened in the vacant lot where i used to play all the time right i was like that's oh, just too specific. Do you like, remember the story of what happened in that house? Blocked it out. I, I read the story. The story was not a happy story. Yeah. It, and I just didn't. So I was like, I, nope, I didn't want to. I was like, it, it's because at some point as a child, I just blocked this whole thing. I was like, nope, my mom and I never talked about it again. We were just like, let's just pretend that this never happened. It sort of feels like to me when I ask, because, you know, I'm, this is not a visual medium, but I'm like looking out to the sunset here because that's how I get information. When I ask, it feels like something was in that space in particular that was not able to do the protection it was supposed to do in that space. Hmm. And there was something about you... And, you know, when, when we're talking about high beings or, or any of these types of things, time is not, it doesn't work the same way it does here. So they often know what will happen before we do. I mean, they always know what will happen before we do. But it feels like this particular being knew what was going to happen maybe with you and your mom and all of the stuff and was like, okay, here's my chance to fix hmm. something. I love that. Yeah. I mean, again, if there are people who are listening who are like, what a load of horse nonsense, <laughs> I'm like, fine. I'm not trying to convince anyone. No, I'm like, never I trying to convince anybody yeah. anything. But um, and I also I do apologize for bringing that up and monopolizing our time. No, I, I just, know. No, I like, I've never heard you tell that story. That's no fascinating to me. Has. Yeah, um, I don't. And I thought I knew all of your ghost stories. I'm an old person. <laughs> this happened forty-five-ish years ago, and I've never. I don't. No, I don't. I don't tell that story. I mean, if you didn't, and I told want it to you guys to... and. <laughs> Everyone Every listening on to the that. planet who's listening. So like, oh boy. If you didn't, if it was not comfortable for you to look up that story, but you trusted Lindsay to look at that story, I'm sure there'd be something in there that makes sense in what we just said. I think so. I bet. I mean, should I, can I look it up right now? Uh, maybe later. Let's just. Okay. I'll, we can, we can drop yeah. it. Whenever. But, whenever. I do, but I do think because when we're talking about spaces, 
and these beings entering the spaces, that one that you have worked with or would like to work with in a more real way or know about is the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Right. Which is a notoriously haunted hotel. And it's where like all of these former and, serial killers used to live. And why hotels? Because I, there, for example, like I stayed at the Chateau Marmont once about 20 years ago because I thought like, oh, I'm a rock star. Everyone stays at the Chateau. I should right. stay at the Chateau. I slept with all the lights on and after one night would never go back there again. Like I was it's like, super haunted, the it Chateau. Was, it, I've never in my entire life been more scared of anything. Like I was in my room, like and I was like, I couldn't turn the lights on. I had to go to the bathroom. I was like, I'm not getting up and go to the bathroom. Like I'm like just the sim a similar thing happened at the Hollywood Roosevelt, but only in the old upstairs part. Oh, I like the energy in the Roosevelt. But but similarly haunted. And like you know, I'm sure you know this or have, you know, thought about this about yourself, but you're super sensitive to deceased people, like very, very, very yes, sensitive. I, I know. I nobody like really, <laughs> whatever I, I say know. that to people, Let's they freak out. That, you know, like, like, but like, but some people just stick are. my fingers in my ears and just make them, <laughs> Then you don't have to use it. That's fine. You know, you don't have to communicate with them or any of oh, that stuff. man. And now the first house I lived in in L.A. <sighs> you had a ghost there that would melt the locks. I oh, why? But you didn't communicate with it. I was I like, oh, I, I want to know why. But like stuff, it, <laughs> stuff, all I can say, stuff happened and I didn't like it. Yeah. And it I, it felt very sad to me. Like, of like course. It just, so the, the people who live there now seem to be super happy. They Maybe maybe whatever this was left, but well, like this some is stuff happened that I just didn't like. People don't realize this because they're always like very sad. Uh, and, and of course they are when people pass and we all are. But I always say this, and people laugh at this, but it's totally true. Deceased people don't shut up. Deceased people want attention. <laughs> Deceased people are trying to get your attention. They will do anything to get your attention, and they don't have boundaries unless the person that they're trying to talk to sets a boundary. So they'll just wake you up, do whatever, do you put on visual shows, all kinds of things to get your attention, especially if they think you're a person who has that ability, even if you're not using it. Right. So like they don't talk to me because I don't I don't listen, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they want to. <laughs> yeah, yuck. But, you know, with entities. I, I, yeah, it's like I like I'm hoping like, of course, everyone wants to feel I want to like there's part of me who wants to be, feel special, want to have unique abilities. But I'm also like, no, I don't want I, no, I, it's I, like, not for everyone. And I understand that because it is really scary for people. And when people come to me, they're terrified the first time they come to me because they're like, what the hell am I going to, what is this about? Yeah. You know? But um, one thing we didn't get to talk about, I think because it was part of the the gone <laughs> bits, <laughs> uh, were the different types of entities. Oh, I think yeah, you had that's asked important. me. So just for people out there. And that can bring us to the realm walker that lives. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay, so I know, Lindsay, you were beginning to ask about the Cecil Hotel. I was, only because, I mean, we know that you work on people and casting out Use, and I, I don't remember if we got into this on the part that we lost or not, but basically you're using powerful, like high frequency energy to basically push out an entity. Essentially. So we're flooding the body with high being energy. Mm -hmm. So the relationships that I've created with specific high beings to push that energy into the body, which pushes the negative energy up. And then, you know, I'm able to essentially pull that out of the body. Mm -hmm. And and we can't keep that energy in the body 
long, the high being energy, because it's it's too much for our bodies. We're not really supposed to be carrying that. So it starts to break things down a little bit. So we don't do it for, you know, more than, I mean, depends on the person, but, you know, no more than like an hour or so at a time, because then it would become a slightly dangerous. It's like a chemical pill. You can't have too much of a good thing. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> too much of a chemical pill would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't, I w- we might have not gotten here is the when we went over the different types of entities you oh know, right. like the different yes, yes, yes. species if you will of entity mm-hmm. so i'll just quickly go back over that um and i did say then although i don't know if it matters still but i've just put it out there that when we talk about entity you know we're also talking about trauma so i just want to put it out there that we are discussing traumas just as a warning that we're talking about trauma um so the lowest on the the uh, entity pole, <laughs> if you will, uh, is what I call uh, a Clive. Very scientific. It looks like a Clive Barker drawing to me. That's why I call it that. Uh, there was no handbook for me to do this. So I kind of started keeping track of, you know, what I was seeing and working on with people all the time. And this is the one that works as an amplifier. So if you're, you know, sad, you're depressed. If you're depressed, you're suicidal. If you're angry, you have rage, those kinds of things. And it feels very large, but a Clive is actually very small. So it takes negative emotions and amplifies them. Yeah, just megaphones that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always think about like a kitten puffing itself up. That's kind of what a Clive looks like in my mind. It's not actually what a Clive looks like, but that's kind of how I tell people (laughs) what that is. Um, Because it feels very overwhelming. And a lot of people are walking around with Clives they don't even know they have. It's very easy to pick up. It's also easy, you know, to work on yourself a little bit and have them drop off. So you could have had many Clives throughout your life without knowing And it is the easiest for me to take out. And it's, you know, not really malevolent, not really intelligent, just kind of there, just like a leech, just kind of feeding. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we go up to what I call wraiths, which are um, attached from trauma. So there are a lot of those things in the world. So I see a lot of wraiths Mm -hmm. uh, and they are the ones that cause night terrors and sleep paralysis. And then we go up to tricksters, which is, you know, the imaginary friends, the ones that show themselves to people people, um, not really, but what people want to see of them to form more of a symbiosis. So we're starting to get into that intelligent space now. Um, And I've had people visit me who thought their deceased relative was around them, thought they had a genie attached to them, thought they were attached to an archangel, and yet their life is like falling apart at the seams. So, you know, when they come in and they're very sure that's what's going on, part of the journey is to, you know, show them like, if this were actually the case, your life would not be feeling like this. And getting people ready to remove that, because again, in that case, people are conscious of that. And so a lot of times they have to be ready to let go of that, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes it takes a while to get them ready for that. And then we go all the way up the chain to collectors, which are highly intelligent. um, And those are another uh, entity that holds space. So what that entity does is it takes the deceased in a a space of mass trauma and tries to hold that energy in place and uses the deceased to scare the living and then takes the energy from the living. It's a whole process. Hmm. So they they can't exist without a deceased... 
Not really. So they they seek out spaces where people are so traumatized in their deceased state that they don't know where to go, Mm. and they hold them there. And so when I do a space like that, I have to clear the deceased people first, and then the collectors. I have to make the collectors smaller by taking the deceased people out, by having communication with the deceased people and allowing them to leave. Uh, And then all the way up to what people think, I think people think, is the devil, which I will just disclose that I have never seen that. Um, what the worst that I have seen is what I call a realm walker, and that there's more than one on the planet. It's not super common, but it's not one off. Um, and that can hold spaces, people. Um, it can erase people's memories in in like on mass. Uh, it can attract people to an area from hundreds, thousands of miles away. Uh, it can do anything that any entity underneath it can do. Plus, and it is the most malevolent and the most intelligent of all. It can move to Florida and start Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that would require intelligence. Um, no, so, this would, she's saying this is, this is the intelligent one. This is the, Oh, I see. But maybe actually, like, that's an insult to the realm walker. Yeah, make, that's what I'm a, saying. To make a joke where I compare it to Trump, because Trump is much more just sort of like the dumb baby of demons. Well, and you know what's so crazy? So my book, um, Sister of Darkness, came out a few years ago, and... I was working on the book while all of those things were going on. And uh, I kept getting question after question after question about, is there a realm walker involved in that? And I was like, yes, but it's not it's not on Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's someone you don't see at all. You know, that's really behind major shit if you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's it's not it's not on who you think you see it, and it very rarely is in any capacity the person that you think is like the worst of a whole bunch of people it's always somebody in the background that's a thousand times worse than that mm-hmm. like i feel like you see this what you were talking about with Maybe it was the Clive where it's amplifying. If you're angry, it becomes like this intense rage. And I feel like so many people I know about something that's logically not that bad, they suddenly become rageful. Well, I think there's been a major shift on the planet if we just want to go into like overall views here of how much the negativity is trying to take over. Mm -hmm. And since there's, it's a weird thing because if I look at, for myself, like entities on the planet and where we are at and all of this, it's not as huge as it feels because it's really made itself vocal. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like it, it's just a the, that loud minority of people. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's small either because it's definitely <laughs> expanded. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I'm hoping to do soon. So I've been asked over all the years I've been doing this to do unscripted shows, reality shows. And I've always said no, because it it wasn't, I've never been in it to do stuff like that. I've only been in it for the work. So I've been like actually very bad about promoting myself or doing anything as Lindsay knows. Like I'm terrible at it. Like I'm not great at social media, like all the things. And by the work, you just mean working with people on an individual level. Yes. Doing yeah. the work, you know, that that's what has always mattered to me more than anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've always said no to doing those kinds of things, but because of the state of the world now, I've decided that I finally do want to do that. Um, but I want what I'd like to do, my my dream unscripted show right now um, is that I would love to go to different towns in the United States, different cities, go to spaces where 
you know, in that town, this space is like their black hole. Mm -hmm. It's it's the place where the darkest energy is. People have terrible stories there. It's brought everything down in its area. And go in, talk to those people, find out what their experiences are, of course, if they're willing to share that, and then go in and cleanse the space town by town. I would love to see how different those spaces and those towns become once that negative, that major negative energy is out because it's so influential. It's so influential. If it's a big space, it it can bleed out into the surrounding areas. And it would be a gift to be able to go and change everything for the better and invite you know, all of this good into that space that's just been like that forever and ever. And we do have a space like that here, which is what you were talking about earlier, which is the Cecil Hotel. Um, that space, so if you're not in Los Angeles, that space, or if you don't know anything about it, I should say, um, it's been home to the worst of the worst. Uh, and it it's disappearances, assaults, all kinds of things. You know, mur- it's housed murderers over and over and over again. People have jump like so many suicides all kinds of things and personally if you live here in Los Angeles and and especially me I guess because I see people on an individual basis a lot I mean so much has gone on in that space it's insane and there is a realm walker in that space and I would love to be able to go in and cleanse that space um and of course they've they've I mean they're still trying to renovate that space into lots of different kinds of things every five minutes it's something else mm-hmm. <laughs> but unless you clear that space of that energy, what is the point? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's so funny because people don't believe that. Like, I, I could say these things forever and ever, right? And have people be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But my answer to that is, well, if it if you don't believe it, who cares anyway? Just let me do it. This doesn't, it's not mm-hmm. going to harm you, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not, This is not a church. You know, like, just let me do it. Why not? What's the harm in it? So, you know, Wait, maybe one day. <laughs> but you've also, you've talked about to go in there and cleanse that space. You would need to have help, like from a medium or something to help to kind of put, get the deceased people in the space in, uh, have like manage them so that you can deal with the other stuff. Yeah. So that space in particular, or spaces like it too, are very large spaces, just physically, they're very large spaces. And so for myself to go through that space, to be able to cleanse that space, I have to go into every room, every bathroom, everything. Like I can't just like sit in the lobby and go, Ooh, it's done. You can't burn some sage. No, 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 I wish I could believe me. I mean, me a lot of hours. So it would take me like 24 hours Mm -hmm. to go in and do that. Because also I should note for people listening um, is that once you start, you should not stop. So once you start, you start agitating what's in the space. So you need to just keep going um, because otherwise it makes everything worse, Hmm. uh, which has happened to me. Like there have been situations in which a very long story short, you know, I've been doing sets or doing this or doing that that someone um, brought me in for that somebody doesn't know I'm supposed to be there doing. So they're like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, until y'all work it out, I'm going to go because <laughs> I'm never going to argue with someone about that. Yeah. And then I'll get a call the next day like, why did you go? Everyone got sick. Someone is in the hospital. This happened. That happened. We had fires. We had audio from rooms. We don't have, you know, anything like crazy stuff. And I'm like, okay, do you want me to come back? (laughs) And they're like, yes. So I would go back and finish. But in a space like that with something that bad, it's like once you start, you better go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You better just go and get it done. Kind of like black mold. You can't get rid of black mold in one room 
No, house, right. Like, you no. have to do the whole thing. So, you know, in a space that would take me that many hours and would be that exhausting, it would be helpful to have someone who can work with the deceased people so I don't have to. Um, and I can just focus all my attentions on this one thing. And I know that the deceased people who are in that space will also be taken care of. So there's no issue, you know. So before we have our lunch... Um, I wanted to be – people are listening. I, I guarantee you 99% of the people listening are like me where they have no familiarity or experience with this. And so two questions. Sure. If people are interested in finding out more both about you, your work, but also just th this process in general, is there a resource? Where, where can people go to find out about this? Um, okay. Well – you know, I can only speak for myself <laughs> and what mm -hmm. I do, right? So if you want to know about more, uh, you know, entities, how to tell if you have, you know, an attachment, what to do if you do. Um, I also offer like a 30-day connection to spirit that I teach, which is what my second book will be about, um, which is just kind of learning how to open up your senses, but also protect yourself and raise that vibration. My book, Sister of Darkness, is in all bookstores. I have an Instagram. I'm just R.H. Stavis. It's like Davis with an S-T. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we do have a scripted series in the works with FX that I'm really excited about that I'm hoping we'll get to, you'll get to see next year. Um, we've been working on it for a little while. Rachel and the actress, writer, showrunner extraordinaire, Pamela Adlon. Yes. Uh, better things I'm a huge fan of. She is amazing and very genius. And we also um, have uh, Bella Trist and Emma Roberts as executive producers on it as well. And they are so fabulous. Cool. So we are working very tirelessly to bring this memoir to you um, for that. And uh, I hope that you will watch it when we have it. But in the meantime, to learn about entities, the book is really the best, mm -hmm. you know. And of course, it's all audio and library as well. So you and, didn't have to... And are there some simple sort of protective healing practices people can do? Like, because we have people listening from all over the world. Sure, yeah. Um, they might not have be able to access certain books in some countries. Of so course. Like, are there some very... Like, if someone is feeling scared or someone feels like they need some extra protection <laughs> and healing, can you recommend a few just sort of practice... Like, like, a practice someone can do on their own. Yeah. So I'll give you a very quick rundown of the 30-day connection to spirit because it takes five minutes a day. And it is the best thing to do to both rid yourself potentially of entity and attachment, but also raise that vibration and frequency mm -hmm. so that you become something that there's nothing to feed from. And also open your ability to talk to spirit if you want to, you know, if you're open to it. Um, and it's very simple. It's a three-step process. Anywhere you are, inside, outside, you know, day, night, doesn't matter. You're just going to sit. You're just going to close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, and you're going to say to whatever you are comfortable with. For me, it'll be spirit. So, okay, spirit, you know, I'm asking you please to enter my body and spirit to look through my body to see if um, there's any trauma, old blocks, old pain, you know, attachment, anything negative that's in my way. I'm asking you to please take that out of my body. And most people who are not super blocked up, they will start to feel the rushes of the spine, the hot and cold in places, you know, all of those great things. So they know that it's working. They can feel that working. And when you feel ready, because this is an intuitive process, it's not like a meditation or anything. But when you feel ready, you move on to the second step, which is basically just basically looking for uh, any blessings, you know, uh, any messages that you want to bring to me, anything that you 
you, oops, sorry. <laughs> I just made a mess. <laughs> Did I make a mess? No, no. <laughs> anything that spirit wants to share with you and your job is just going to be to pay attention, you know, uh, any kind of, like we said before, song lyrics, feathers, coins, you know, any messages. If you see a feather, like look up what that color means. If you see repeating numbers, look up what that means, you know, all of that good stuff and trust what's coming in. And you're also just going to focus on something you're grateful for in that moment, because being in a space of gratitude, even if it's for a little bit, raises your vibration. We want to do that quickly. So we want to focus on anything we're grateful for in the moment. It could be so small. It could be so big. It could be different every day. It does not matter. Just put yourself in that space and allow that to happen. And if you do that every day for 30 days, it completely changes everything. But also, Rachel covers this really thoroughly yes, yes. on her Instagram and social media. Yes. So follow... R.H. Davis for those updates because I actually really use them and engage with them and I think they're amazing. Thank you. One sort of adjunct to the gratitude process that I find really helpful, our friend Julie told me about um, because I had been trying to do a gratitude process for a long time and I didn't find that it was really impacting me or it was very effective. And what she suggested that really works and really helps is you identify the thing you're grateful for and then you have three reasons why. Oh, I love that. And mm. it really, it just deepens it. So if I can say like, I look out the window, I'm like, oh, I'm grateful for my trees. Eh, that's nice. But then I'm like, oh, because they're beautiful. Because they cool the air. Because they turn carbon dioxide into oxygen. Because they provide homes for creatures. All of a sudden, the gratitude for me becomes so much deeper. I love that. And it's, yeah, that's I just, really, that's really I didn't good. come up with it. Thank you. Julie. It like um, grounds you more and it becomes less of like a kind of abstract thought and more. Yeah, because a lot right. of people are like. You can feel it. Like people are on text threads where they trade gratitudes and like, I'm grateful for my kids. It's like, yeah, fine. But why? It's the, re- you know, like add those reasons why. And I'm just saying from experience, I find it really like expands and deepens the yeah. process. Anything that you can do to put yourself in that space where you you can let the stress go for a moment and just realize yeah. why you're here. And then if you can take that with you into the world, it sounds so cliche and maybe cheesy or whatever, but the more conscious you are in the world, the higher your vibration will be. Mm-hmm. Because the more you are conscious with how you treat yourself and how you treat others, creatures great and small on this planet, absolutely everything. How you interact with the world matters. It matters. And even if you do it for purely selfish reasons, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. if you're in New York and you're on the subway and you are a person who's like, I'm not giving up my seat for anyone, I won't do it. But you're like, well, I need to raise my vibration today. Okay, I'm going to give that to this person. It doesn't matter that that's why you did it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you will still reap the benefit from doing it, but now you've also given that to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, this was wonderful. This was so (laughs) great. We also had the both disconcerting and fascinating (laughs) experience of something interrupting you trying to talk. So, like, uh, I hope no one listening is too freaked out by that because it might be like I could imagine someone like, oh, I'm going to listen to this nice podcast <laughs> late at night. And then all of a sudden we're talking about how something has interrupted. <laughs> you, like, so I hope, it, here, I hope, I hope the- no one's traumatized. I hope no one's too freaked <laughs> out. Um, and w- above all else, just practice self-care. Be kind to yourself. Yes. Eat well. Try and sleep well. 
Yeah. Keep that vibration high. And one thing I want to say about Rachel for anyone listening that might be freaked out is that Rachel works in light, high, joyful, loving energy. That's how she does her job. So this voice that you're hearing in your ears is from someone whose energy is so light, bright, and high vibrational that she's able to literally make entities leave people's bodies. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. That's okay. very nice. It's a good voice and, to have and, in your ears. Speaking of self-care and high vibration energy, now we get to eat lunch. Okay, yes. Now our treat is lunch. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Rach. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Good. That was our conversation with Rachel. She's a dear friend, an incredibly intelligent person, someone that I've been able to rely on and count on in my life in so many ways. And also, it's such an honor to have someone come and talk to us who's had such a unique experience in their life. Like, how many people are there in the world who can say that that's A, what they've been capable of, and B, what they've managed to to do with it. But on top of her, you know, the the exorcist, the entity removal, all of that. I think something that I really love about Rachel's approach to spirituality and all of that is that you have to really take care of yourself and love yourself and keep yourself in good spirits. And as she would call it, in a, in a high vibrational state, which is just good. It's just a good thing to do to not let yourself fall into negative patterns to kind of keep yourself good and healthy and strong mentally and physically and emotionally. And I just think her her whole approach to that is very inspiring as mm-hmm. well. Also, she's fun and funny and pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you introduced me to her, I was like, well, I've never met an exorcist before. I've never <laughs> met someone who self-identifies as an exorcist, like who spends their days dealing with demons, either literal or figurative or Mm -hmm. metaphoric. Mm -hmm. But also, I want to say, if you doubt what happened technically during the interview, um, we will on social media post a screenshot of the file from Mm -hmm. the Pro Tool session. So you can see this is not us inventing something. We don't know what happened, but it really something something really happened. And we can't make sense of it. I hope you found it interesting. I mean, how often you get to have a conversation with an exorcist. And yeah, I mean, the world is a complicated place. And whether there are literal demons or figurative demons, we are all definitely tortured and plagued by things, whether it's thoughts, patterns, external demons, who knows what. <laughs> and you're right, like the the more we practice viable self-care, mm-hmm. the less likely we are to be damaged by things, whether real demons or just bad emotional patterns. Yeah. Rachel, if you follow her on Instagram or whatever, TikTok, Twitter, uh, RH Davis, she does a lot of programs that are like 30-day programs where you kind of like journal and find your way to gratitude and just ways to kind of keep yourself feeling happy and healthy and in a good state of mind so that whether it's a demon that's trying to knock on your little door (laughs) or just sadness or whatever, Mm -hmm. you kind of are a little bit better equipped for whatever may come your way. So thank you for listening. And like I said, we still can't figure out what happened during the interview. And I will post it. We'll post a screenshot so that no one thinks we're making anything up. 
<laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, there's there's every reason to be skeptical, but it happened, y'all. Yeah, whatever, whatever happened <laughs> did actually happen, and we have audio and photographic evidence that we'll post. But anyway, I hope it was really informative and interesting for you, and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Um, I just want to say thank you, a big thank you, to human content who gets this podcast into your ear brains. <laughs> yeah, your good old ear brains. <laughs> okay, so we'll see you or talk to you in two weeks. See you in two.